Neil Connery is too much. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is Operation Kid Brother. Welcome to the SpyFi guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And welcome back to our swinging 60s spy summer all this summer we've been breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and tv shows Mater said during the golden age of spy cinema which is of course the 1960s so grab your google boots and put on your ascot because it's time to get groovy and this is actually our penultimate episode of our swinging 60s spy summer Nice word. You must be a plastic surgeon slash secret agent. <laughs> yes, but for our penultimate episode, of course, we're talking Bond. So we decided to bring back Brian from the Night Cave podcast. Say hello, Brian. Uh, actually, this is Ryan Thomas, you know, uh, his almost lookalike brother. You know. <laughs> looking, you know, thank you guys for having me back. Pleasure to be back. Yeah. So I don't think I've told either of you this. Brian, the episode where you guest star covering Dr. No is our most downloaded episode, actually. Really? Awesome. I believe that's right. That's so awesome. we're expecting I... big things out of you. This <laughs> oh, no, I, I just want to know, is it a coincidence that you have me on for a Connery type episode or, you know, not at all. When we decided we were going to do OK Connery or actually this movie has like four, four different titles. But I was like, you know, what? we need to have someone who can geek out on all the bondery that's in this with me. And of course, I thought of you, Brian. Thank you. I, I very much did. Is it bad that I didn't pick up on that much bondery in this episode? Yes. I guess you guys love educate <laughs> Again, this is why we've got Brian on us. So like I said, this movie has like four different titles. Zach, I think you called it Operation Kid Brother. That's what it's... IMDb called it. And that's what the title in the movie that I, we watched on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime called it. It is also known as OK Connery, as well as Operation Double 007, Secret Agent 00. Had either of you heard of this movie before? Nope. Nope. I had only watched it once, and that was the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of it. We've talked a little bit about this. Can you please explain to people in the audience who may not know (laughs) what the deal with this movie is, what is the deal with the movie? That's a fair point. So this is a movie starring Neil Connery, Sean Connery's brother. Real-life brother. Real-life brother. And so he plays the brother of Britain's best secret agent yeah he's playing james bond's brother basically in the movie his character's name is just neo connery which means and you guys are gonna get mad at oh me. boy all right but here we go in the movie his <laughs> yes. name is neo connery that's mm-hmm. his real name yes and he's also james bond's brother which means the code name theory no, is no, no, back no, it's back no. boom 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 no. boom boom yes it is get out of here Get out of here. Connery's, that has to be his character's name. Or else it doesn't make sense. You're expecting sense out of this? It's a total discontinuity. Can we say it's like a parallel universe? It's Earth sure. 2. Of, there we go. Uh, yeah. What... Which would also explain some character name changes, which we'll talk about. Yeah, okay, so if you're get, getting on that, then yeah. All of the other characters, other than Neil Connery, basically all the main characters have also been in Bond films. And none of them have the same name as their characters in the Bond movie. So it's, yeah, definitely an alternate universe, we'll say. No, I know. Also, Skyfall literally buried the codename theory underneath a gravestone that had James Bond <laughs> yes. written on it. Yes, thank you. Uh, did you know, uh, real quick, in Skyfall, they wanted to have Sean Connery be 
be uh, part of Albert Finney or Albert mm-hmm. Finney. I did know that. Yeah, so, and that would have you know corrected the continuity also. Too. I'm not sure I would have liked that. That would have been a little yeah. too weird. That's no too way. like science fiction for James Bond, which mm-hmm. is weird to say because it kind of almost is science fiction anyway. Well, James Bond's always been like that. It's not exactly science fiction. It's like five minutes into the future kind of thing. Whereas like you have the tech that maybe five, ten years in the future, but not necessarily hundreds of years in the, into the future kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But shall we get into the movie? Yeah. The civilian brother of Britain's best secret agent must use his skills in plastic surgery, hypnotism, and lip reading to prevent a crime syndicate from using a magnetic wave generator in their bid for world domination. <laughs> that kind of gave away a lot. Oh, man. It does actually summarize the movie pretty well. So the one thing I was a little let down at is they didn't even try to do any sort of gun barrel. Oh, that would have been good if they right? get some kind of off-brand gun yeah. barrel thing. No they try to do like James Bond title sequence. They only had a song that we They know, did have a song, Bond yeah. Was Discount Shirley Basie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the song is called OK Connery. But they don't ever say Connery in the no, lyrics. No, they don't. I couldn't actually even hear a lot of what the lyrics were saying, and there wasn't any subtitles for the lyrics. Apparently, this is a United Artists production uh, who are the people who do the mainstream James Bond movies. So, although at this time, I don't think they were doing them yet. Oh, I think yeah, that was they still- got the rights later. Yeah. Okay. We start off with this you know, this yacht with a bunch of women sailors. The music is by Ennio Morricone, who is a great composer. He did the music for The Untouchables. Okay. Listening to music, I was expecting to sound a little more like spaghetti western kind of thing, like because that's what he usually does. But it actually sounds like an imitation James Bond score. Yes, the music definitely was reminiscent <laughs> of James Bond. And I appreciate yeah. them extra mile for that this movie reminded me yes of james bond but also a lot of in like flint i was gonna say yeah that is very in like flint as well and we'll have more about that as we proceed okay so they're watching this there's a pilot in a plane who's going overhead and, and we go below decks and if, and this is where the sexy uniforms start to come out that's true and women as literal objects yeah we find mr fair who is adolfo celli who mm-hmm. played emilio largo in Thunderball. But he's Mr. Thayer, and he's watching a movie that's projected on the back of a topless woman while he's getting a massage. And, like, the angle that the projection's at, it's like he couldn't even really see it. And also what's being projected is, like, a belly dancer. Here's your first on kind of a, you know, From Russia With Love reference. Yeah, that ties into From Russia With Love. And also, this is maybe their one nod to, like, the James Bond opening, because, like, From Russia With Love and Goldfinger had the images projected on naked women. There you go. That's a good point. Like I said, all the women sailors below deck are more scantily clad. It's still, like, sailor-esque uniforms, but it's like if you went to a Halloween store and, you know, had sexy sailor costume. That's right. So, you know how in our opening we talk about go-go boots? So, yeah. You want go-go boots, this movie has tons of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's very 60s in that respect. Thayer, you know, finishes his massage and he's going around underneath his yacht and he goes to this control center and he's watching an airport where he sees Miss Maxwell, played by Lois Maxwell, who played Moneypenny in the Connery and Roger Moore and Eisenby films. Mm-hmm. And she's waiting for the plane that they were watching earlier. So Thayer presses a button which sends a signal to the car and remote controls it and maxwell notices this and she she shoots a gun we never see money penny with a gun oh yeah she shoots a gun a lot in this movie i bet <laughs> lois maxwell really had a good time because she actually gets to do stuff she actually gets to say yeah. stuff mm-hmm. she fails though 
and the car and the plane explode. Can I yeah. stop you right there, Christian? Because yeah. I don't know if you guys are a fan of this, but Christian, you might know that I am. I'm a diehard fan of Knight Rider. So when I saw a car driving itself, I was like, <laughs> that's where Knight Rider came from in a way, you know. Um, there you go. Yeah. And then I'm thinking with Luis or Miss Maxwell, I was thinking, okay, so this is kind of where Skyfall came up with the idea for their new and improved Money Penny. Because I thought about penny, that too. And I heard this was the most Luis Maxwell's ever make with combined with all the other Bond films. Yeah. At least I think. Yeah, that's 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 that was gonna be one of the things I talked about later is that yeah, she definitely got more for just this one movie than all of her other, and she probably has more lines in this. I think we we have talked about this on our Doctor No episodes how she has not that many lines, in, even though she's like a major part of the, the Bond franchise. I think it's about even. I think we said yeah. she has about fifty lines mm-hmm. in the the James Bond movie. She probably has about fifty lines in this movie. All right, so she calls over an ambulance. They're trying to get the pilot on the plane, but it's too late. He's already dead. And someone in a hazmat suit grabs the package that he was carrying from the front seat. The person takes off the hazmat suit, and we find it's Maya Rafis. But we know her as Daniela Bianchi, otherwise known as Tatiana Romanova from From Russia With Love. You may know her. I don't know Russia With Love that well. What? It's one of the best movies. What are you doing? Not watching it. Okay, you know, get off the podcast. Go, go watch it now. It's great. It is. I never claimed to be a super James Bond fan. That's why I have you guys on. Uh, now, it, now it's coming back to me. I'm like, I, didn't he not like James Bond, or he wasn't like, yeah. You know. It's not that he doesn't like it. He's just not as into it as us. That's right. Okay. Fair enough. That's okay. And she gets into a convertible and gets on her car radio and tells Thayer that the pilot, whose name we find out is Ward, died in the explosion, but she has the box. Yeah, and they say. But you need to get to his girlfriend, quote, the Japanese, which was pretty Ooh. regrettable. <laughs> yeah. It would so hard to say the Japanese person or whatever. Or the Japanese girl. Instead of just the Japanese, yeah, that was... The Asian-American girl. The Asian-American person. Let's keep yeah. going. 1967, so, which kind of funny because You Only Live Twice was the same year. I also was thinking about that. Japan. Is that the one where he is disguised as Asian people? Yes, yes, it is. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Another story for another day. So I feel like if this movie came out maybe a year later, Yachuko would have been played by one of the Japanese girls from You Only Live Twice. But since that movie hadn't come out yet, they weren't famous enough yet. Mm -hmm. Thayer sends a henchman to do something, I think, to go after yeah, Ichuko. No, yeah, like yeah. grab her and find out what she knows. Yeah, we go to a dark room with a projector showing photos of a woman with Asian woman with burn scars on her face. The guy making the presentation is a plastic surgeon. He's showing the results of the operation. He does the classic woman in the wheelchair, unwrap the face and show ooh, there's no scars. And this is our main character, Dr. Neil Connery. <laughs> I think you need to draw... Ron you Connery. need to draw a goatee on that uh, Funko Pop there if you want Neil mm-hmm. Connery. Yes, uh, I was holding up the uh, finger, John Connery. Yeah, with <laughs> the white tuxedo jacket. So Neil Connery. Yes. Does, is, it, is it just me or does he not really look that much like Sean Connery? Oh, I beg to differ. Oh. He looked, the eyes, definitely. Yeah, made in here, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. we get a lot of that because whenever he, well, we find out later that he's a master hypnotist. Anytime he does his hypnosis, they zoom right in on the eyes. And it's, and it's like, oh, yeah, that definitely looks like a Connery. But he definitely doesn't sound like Sean Connery. There's a reason for that. Uh-huh. Like many of the classic James Bond movies, a lot of the actors here are dubbed over. So this is an Italian production. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the actors, particularly Daniela Bianchi, and I think a lot of the women are speaking Italian. And are dubbed over. 
Okay. And Connery was also dubbed over. And I think this was released first in Italy, but then they did the English version. And he was undergoing medical treatment when they were doing the voice dubbing. So they got an American guy to dub his lines. Why? I don't know. I don't oh, even know what to say. He had appendicitis. Yeah, that's what it was. Funnily enough, though, the only reason this movie got made is because Neil Connery, before this, he was working as a plasterer in Scotland when he was fired for losing his tools. Because he was Sean Connery's brother, he received international media attention for this. And Terence Young, the director of Dr. No and From Russia With Love, heard Neil being interviewed on the radio and mentioned to this Italian producer that Neo sounded like Sean a lot. And so mm-hmm. that Italian producer met with Neo and recruited him to become the actor for this role. It's his voice that got him the role, and yet they never used his original voice. Explains a lot. This whole movie is ridiculous, and I can't believe it exists. But it is really ballsy that it exists. Like, something I was thinking about while I was watching this is I was yeah. like, what if Warner Brothers Studios <laughs> All right. made a movie called Roth? And it starred Liam Hemsworth as a god of thunder named Roth. And it also has Samuel Jackson and Scarlett Johansson in it. I don't know. Yeah. Like the fact that they got so many Bond alums to be in this is, and of course, Sean Gordon's brother is just what makes this crazy. Is his hair real? Is that a, That's is a that great a question? I don't know. As I think we all know that Sean Connery wore a toupee all, even all the way back in uh, Dr. No. So uh, Yeah. It wasn't quite a toupee. It was, well, I guess it was. It was a, almost like extensions, basically, because he started going bald early. I don't think he was fully in the wigs until about Goldfinger. Yeah, but I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, all right, the facial hair. That, I mean, that's something Connery's done also, too. I mean, yeah, some yeah. Movies, so, yeah, I kept thinking, all right, the, it, like we said, it, the eyes, definitely. And something that definitely made me think of you, Christian, is the lip reading. I'm like, Christian must have been <laughs> so excited with this because of the Mission Impossible 3. And then, yep. well, Ghost Protocol. I don't know if he did this in Rogue Nation or not. Not that I can I mean, recall. I think we haven't seen his lip reading since Ghost Protocol. He says in his presentation that the results are not just due to medical advancements in plastic surgery, but this ancient Tibetan process, which is defined as the hypnotic process of total recall. What? It's some like pulp hero who does stuff like oh, that. Oh, it's the shadow. I was not thinking of the shadow. Yeah. No, <laughs> the shadow <laughs> hypnotizes his people. Like okay, in the original pulp radio shows, the shadow didn't have a costume or anything like that. He would just hypnotize his, not victims, but hypnotize people into making him not remembering who he was. And all they remember is just a shadow. Okay, that's fine. But I was also thinking that there's some pulp hero who will drown, but the reason why he doesn't die is because he has some ancient Tibetan thing to like slow down his breathing so he doesn't have to breathe. Does any of this sound familiar? That's like a Batman thing. Yeah, but I think Batman got it from someone else. Yeah, maybe. But you're right, it is totally Batman, including Adam West Batman. So I guess that sort of answers my question. Hey, you're on the right podcast, Brian. Yeah, really? Batman, James Bond, Knight Rider, we're doing it all. That's familiar, yeah. (laughs) Actually, even more so when we get to the finale. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have to bring this up because when I saw the poster on this for Amazon Prime, I'm like, is this Robin Hood and, you know, Kevin <laughs> Co- they replaced, what's his name, with Kevin Costner or Kevin Costner with the the, the villain? Because that's what it looks like. I'm like, hmm. okay, was it Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I think that was the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Archery. I'm like, what is this movie that Christian has to be watching? <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a very memorable movie. Yeah. 
it's not badly made. Like it actually looks good. It looks of its era. And mm -hmm. so I was thoroughly entertained through all of this, but let's, let's keep going. So throughout this whole like presentation, like we said, Neo shows off that he can speak Hindi because someone asked him a question in Hindi and he's like, well, what my colleague here was saying was, and he also demonstrates that he can read lips. So this is another thing that reminded me of in like Flint is like how he has all these crazy skills and how he's like an intellectual in addition to being a secret agent, sexy guy, you know? Yeah. Instead, he's going to do his hypnotism on Yashuko, who was the, uh, I guess we never addressed that Yashuko, the ward, the pilot's girlfriend, was the plastic surgery uh, patient that was being operated on. Yeah, it's those kinds of coincidences that <laughs> these old movies are built on. I mean, it does make sense. No, not really. I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to defend it. <laughs> Good decision. What we find is as he's doing the hypnosis, yeah, we do the zoom in on the eyes and she gets hypnotized. But here's my question. It's the classic, You anytime a magician does hypnosis, you pick someone from the audience because that way you know that, that there's no way they've communicated earlier to say, do this and this and that. So how would this panel of doctors or whoever these people are know that just because he says he's hypnotized her and she's working with him, she's not faking it? In this kind of movie, you have to suspend all disbelief. All right, all right, fair. That was like my one thing that was like, you know what, I'm going to, but after that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go with the hypnosis. It's okay. Yeah, you could also say it was a more innocent time. As he's doing the hypnosis on Yashuko, suddenly this fight breaks out. During the fight, Neil uses his hypnotism to knock out one guy. Not this just knock crazy. out, kill the guy. His hypnotism, he has superpowers. <laughs> this is like some Shadow of Mordor pillars of eternity <laughs> kind of thing where in the middle of a fight he could just move his hands around and then make one of his bad guys turn allegiance and start fighting his former friends yeah. think about how useful that would be if real james bond had that <laughs> real james bond has powers aside from seducing every possible female maybe you know if you want to count silva too I mean, <laughs> maya i notice has in her hands this big poofy fur thing Yes. You know what I'm talking about? So the only other movie I've seen it in is The Rescuers, where the, the woman oh. in my house has one. It's a, uh, you, you hold, keep your hands in it to keep you warm. Yeah. It's, uh, what is, is it called? It's like the size of her torso. And I was expecting her to like pull a gun out of it or something. Because why else would she have it? Unless it goes with the outfit. I think it's just called a muff. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that was one observation. And another one that there's a thug here who looks like George Lazenby. <laughs> okay, that's it. We can move on now. I have to find this guy now because now I want to see him <laughs> if he really looks there like Lazenby. Lazenby. <laughs> what if it was, or what if it's Lazenby's younger brother or older brother? <laughs> Better looking brother. Oh, hey, George Lazenby is a very handsome man. George Lazenby has nothing to be ashamed about if you read his biography. <laughs> or watch the movie that was made from his biography. Mm hmm. Neil is flirting with Maya in the like aftermath of the fight, very much like his brother would. And we next go to an art auction where Thayer is there, and he meets Commander Cunningham, who is played by I always forget his by Bernard name. Bernard Lee. Yes, Bernard Lee, who played M in the Connery and Roger Moore and George Lazenby films. And by yeah. the way, something that occurs to me here is where's Q? Huh? You know, How can I didn't think of that. Q? He's on a mission with uh, James Bond. He was delivering Little Nelly in Japan. To <laughs> oh, that is in 1967. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Well, I guess I'm just like, obviously you don't need to have the real Q, but I'm disappointed that there was no Q at all. Like not even a, a parody version. If you think about it though, it makes sense because their whole plot is causing technology to fail. Mm-hmm. So gadgets and Q wouldn't necessarily be essential. Yeah, I guess he doesn't have as many gadgets as his older brother. He doesn't brother. really have any gadgets. No. no. The bad guys have the gadgets. If you, yeah, you know, that's true. Time. Thayer meets Cunningham. It seems like they know each other. And there's also a reveal of like someone else who's watching like the conversation. And we get a very dramatic push in on him. And it is Alpha, played by Anthony Dawson, who also played Professor Dent in Dr. No. He's the guy with the tarantula. I think it's just from Russia with Love and Thunderball, he plays Blofeld, the Blofeld that we never see, and we just hear the voice of. Stroke and the cat. Mm -hmm. I did not recognize him, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. There's bidding on an item. I don't remember what the item was. Do you guys catch what it was? Was it a painting? I think it was a painting, yeah. Okay. Didn't it belong to um, the, the main guy? I mean, I want to call him number two, but... Oh, uh, Mayor? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. No, he was trying to get it. So he was trying to bid on it, and other people are bidding on it too. And then Cunningham's like, oh, seems to be all wrapped up here, so he leaves the auction. But just as he's leaving, Alpha in the back outbids Thayer, what, $5,000? Kind of like Octopussy. Mm, Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, at this point, Octopussy had not been released, but I believe the short story had already been released. Well, I guess what I was going at is that Octopussy might have borrowed this idea. Maybe. That idea from Octopussy is from the Fleming short story, The Property of a Lady, with the bidding and following who like, wins a bid. So they also could have gotten from that. We don't know. Oh, there is a lady. We go to Maya, and she's in a nun's habit, and she's communicating to another nun. And this nun is in what looks like a storage or not, what would it be? Just like air filtration or something. It, and she like puts this gas through a tube, and in a room we see later, Miss Yachuko starts gasping and passes out. Which I didn't understand this part, because it's like, they captured her before, so why are they capturing her again? So she was taken by the good guys for safety. Uh, oh, I didn't understand that. Yeah, because you notice it was Miss Maxwell who takes her. I think I mixed up Maxwell and Maya. Oh, yeah, no, no. I was like, yeah. why would you gas her again? Well, if she's already passed out, why gas her? And I'm like, didn't make it's, sense. It's yeah. the only way to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was in being held for safety by the good guys, and okay. now the bad guys have captured her. We've talked about this before. Why not just have them capture and cut out that 10 minutes of content or whatever? So we get the cool capture scene, because I actually like this. I'm glad you liked it, but I am reminded of the quote that I learned from Civilization V, which is, an engineer knows he has achieved perfection, not when there's nothing left to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. That's how I kind of feel about movies. Then you'll miss out on a lot of things that are added just because it looks cool. That's not how I want my movies. If it looks cool, that's fine. Obviously, you and I disagree about whether this looks cool. I thought this was a neat idea. So it's clever. It was clever. Yeah. All right. Especially (laughs) so. Let's get to what happened. So first of all, Neil is meeting with his boss, tells him he has to stay in Monaco until the investigation's over. Cunningham and Maxwell enter. Both of them comment on his resemblance to his brother. Not quite as good looking. I think they. Yeah, and he like uh, doesn't really react to these things. Well, okay, so here's what I didn't get. Did he yeah. know that his brother was the world's greatest secret agent before the movie began? It's unclear. 
He might know, he might yes, not. It is unclear. You're yeah. right. Because I would have thought, having been told that, he would have some kind of reaction of surprise or confusion or disbelief or anything. With his lack of reaction, maybe he does know. And it's just like, oh, I'm tired of being compared to him. I don't know. How much acting experience did Neil Connery have? Because I, I never Zero. heard of Okay, so maybe it was just the acting. You know, maybe that's what... They're like, looking surprised is too difficult for you. Yeah, we're just going to ask you okay. not to do you it. You give a great stare, and uh, we're going to dub your voice. So, but, um, you know, you just look pretty. <laughs> Something that occurred to me while watching this that I'll mention now is, if this movie had been made by Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. he'd pass it out. Great mm-hmm. opportunity for a classic Jewish joke. Because Neil Connery is a plastic surgeon, they could have had mm-hmm. someone say to Sean Connery, oh, you may be a super secret agent, but your brother's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right yeah that's pretty good all right that's one of your few rewrites of a movie where i'm like all right that's actually pretty good i would have loved to have seen mel brooks do this kind of a movie did he ever do a spy movie he did a spy show and we covered that two weeks ago with get smart so maybe there's an episode where maxwell smart has a brother who is a doctor and they do this (laughs) they have to have done that it's too i'm sure i'm sure we go back to the nuns goes into the room where mr chuko is being held but the guard smells a gas the nun has a knife the guard gets his gun out gets her gunpoint tells her drop the knife but the knife shoots out from the handle and kills him i wonder where they find springs that are strong enough to pierce a knife through somebody's (laughs) chest i've seen this before also in a movie way later down the road and um (laughs) 2004, The Punisher with Thomas Jane. He did the same thing. I knew I had seen it somewhere before. <laughs> because he, he actually pierced the guy, Harry Hick or whatever his name is, um, right in the throat or whatever. He did the Ooh. same. You, you, you must be one dumb, I don't know if I can curse on here. And he's like, you bring a knife to a gunfight and then just shoot them in the throat. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then the guard was doing a thing with the flower. I was like, okay, so he's Joker in a way? <laughs> I don't know what was what was with the flower. I don't know if that had a point. A camera in there. Oh, was there? Did I miss that? Yeah, really? yeah. He was taking pictures. He did that before. Oh, you're right. You're right. That did make sense. Boy, this movie like, has a lot more going on than we thought. Yeah, like I said, it's actually well, like okay, there are ridiculous ideas, but story it actually mostly makes sense. Unlike some other films we've seen. Yeah, it holds together pretty well. Yeah. The nun has her, she was bringing in her cart, so she grabs this giant tube from it, which it turns out is it's like a grappling hook, which becomes a zip line. And she shoots it at the van that Maya has outside. And she wraps Missy Chuko in a blanket and attaches the harness around her and puts her down the zip line and they get her into the car. Yeah, it's this whole very elaborate thing. But it looks kind of neat. You know what? That kind of explains why they were gassing her earlier. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so she doesn't wake up and start like thrashing around while mm-hmm. on the line. Yeah. I got a serious Rosa Club vibe from this. That's yeah. who I thought she was. And then I looked it on the TV and it um, wasn't. Not the same but actress. her name is Lottie, which is a reference to Lottie Lenya, the actress for Rosa Club. Oh. Ah, okay. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And then I feel I like was... they were wanted to get her for this, but they just couldn't get her. Right. And then the whole thing with the knife, going back to that, though, I was expecting something to come out of a shoe or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I was expecting that. So I guess that's kind of the direction they went with. But um, yeah, I can yeah, see that. Kind of was this movie's version of uh, Rose Club. Whatever the yeah, Russian definitely. Movie. Definitely. So back in the office, Cunningham is showing Neil a photo of the pilot, which was from Miss Yachuko's bag. And we find out the pilot's name was Ward Jones. You know, Ward was killed this morning and he had some important information that he was going to sell to them. 
mm-hmm. and said that Miss Yachuko also has information that Ward gave her and puts her life in danger. But, you know, Yuch- Miss Yachuko does, says she doesn't know anything. Ah, but we already know this. Christian, we talked about this. Do we? Like, the movie told us earlier that his name was Ward Jones and that they were after Yoshiko because they thought she had information. So why We don't know this yet. We don't know this yet. We don't know why she's after Miss Yuchuko. I think we do, Brian. I don't think so. <laughs> Brian, agree I, with I, me. I don't remember because <laughs> I was trying to spot so many like Bond kind of <laughs> nods and such. And Yeah, it didn't bug me that much at the time, but thinking about it again okay. it well brings up repressed feelings and i'm gonna bring up my point and that audiences are goldfish and they need to be reminded of stuff constantly otherwise they're gonna be like wait why are they chasing this guy yeah your point about that remains true unfortunately but i'm still gonna complain about it i'm pretty sure we don't know it at this point because this is where we find out that ward had learned this complicated yogi technique to communicate information when hypnotized you hypnotize someone, give them this information, and then bring them out of the trance. And once they do, they don't remember that they have this information. This information can only be retrieved once they're put in that hypnotic state again. Yeah, it's so like I, a human brain is a computer. Which yes. is pretty neat. They ask Neil for a step. Like, I can't help because I'm involved in the investigation. I can't leave. And Cunningham's like, oh, well, you know, we can get you out of that if you cooperate with us. So he basically has to be strong-armed into helping out, yep. which I find funny. <laughs> but I will say, James Bond never had to be, like, cajoled into into doing uh, missions uh-huh. so that's different mm-hmm. this guy's a doctor or he plays one on tv anyway, <laughs> you know, he's apparently self-defense killed a guy or with his mind or you know should i <laughs> this is also a little bit of like don't they do this in the da vinci code and the affiliate where he is an academic and he has his own things going on and he gets, he gets pulled into in. it yeah. yeah yeah yep very much so this movie's a trendsetter it should be better remembered <laughs> Neil and Cunningham and Maxwell go into uh, Miss Yuchuko's room and see the dead guard. And someone says he's had it, which is like this movie's equivalent of he's dead, Jim. <laughs> they pull out a machine from his lapel pocket. And yes, you're right, Brian, that this is where the camera that was hidden inside the lapel flower is taking photos from. Holy cow, this movie predicted body cams on policemen. Because they all <laughs> had to be wearing one, right? There's no reason why just this uh-huh. one guard would. Yeah. And wow, so, yeah, it really so they, ahead of time. they put the camera into a projector and they see, yeah, photos of the nun. And they say, oh, we recognize her. That's Lottie Kriendorf. And she works for Thanatos, most powerful gangs in the world. All I have to say is Thanatos did nothing wrong. <laughs> why does Thanatos, why do I know that name? Because it sounds movies? like Thanos. It, yeah. The Thanatos Guild or something like that? or um, that's... It's a trope. The Thanatos Gambit. It's when a character deliberately manipulates the circumstances of their death to their own profit. I thought that was an episode of Star Trek. Could be that too. I also have at this point in my notes, wow, so Ward is working for the good guys? Question mark. Apparently I'm a little slow. (laughs) Yes, this is where we meet Thanatos. Sophia gets off a helicopter and goes into a castle and... I think they all, they use they keep using the same helicopter, I think, because it's that classic bubble dome design, which like I've ridden on a helicopter once, but I've always wanted to go into one of those bubble like helicopters where it's just, you know the whole cockpit is like a bubble, and there's I think they use one in the prisoner. They definitely use one in Batman the movie. That's they the use Bat one copter. Batman. The, yeah, they yeah. use one in From Russia with Love. That's the chopper that he destroys by shooting with one bullet. Goldfinger too, didn't they? I think Pussy Galore had that when they arrived. You're at, right. Uh, she did. Yeah. So, yeah, the, maybe, the, that's a classic 60s. United Artist or something. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. 
I guess this is why you don't see them anymore because they're all from the sixties. <laughs> from the sixties, man. <laughs> it's like why well, don't see a Huey outside of the Vietnam War. <laughs> Alpha, the head of Thanatos, we find out is there, and Fair is three minutes late, and we find out his code name is Beta. So he's the number two of the organization. And just a like beta male. Beta. Ah. <laughs> And so we find out that their operation, which is called Operation Blackmail, very subtle, guys, but it's coming to a close. And we find out that they have on their projector, these six nations hold the world's gold reserves. Like, all right, is this going to be a Goldfinger ripoff? That's what, what? I thought, too. Yeah, rip exactly. off everything. <laughs> but it's not, actually, because it goes in a completely different direction. And we don't find out really t- later on what their plan is. But we find out that they're going to lure them into a trap. That Ward Jones was one of their agents, but he was going to betray them. And oh, but, so he was working. Wait. Yes. He, he was Ward Jones. Guy. They killed him before they he could get the information out. But and oh, not but and uh, Fair or Beta. We, we'll, I'll call him Beta in this situation because he's in, in his uh, Thanatos group. He got the documents back, which was the books that Maya stole from the from the plane. So they can proceed. But before they can proceed, they still need an atomic nucleus. And Gamma, who's, I guess, what, third or fourth in line, you know, was responsible for getting the nucleus. But, you know, he needs more time. But you know what happens in an organization when there's failure? You have failed me for the last time, Gamma. Alpha reaches under the desk. And I thought, all right, is he going to press a button to make him explode something? It's a little more mundane than that. He pulls mm-hmm. out a gun and he gives the gun to Gamma and Gamma is supposed to shoot himself in the head. Puts it to his head. He's about to shoot and then instead pulls it on Alpha and tries to shoot. But there are no bullets. So it's like that's how smart they are. Is they knew they, he was going to do that. So they're like one step ahead of it. Oh, such a smart villain who can't easily be defeated by a plastic surgeon who also knows. <laughs> Gamma sits down, takes a drink of water from his cup. And as he drinks... He starts to gag and choke. And it turns out the water was what was poisoned. It wasn't the gun at all. Jeez, if it's his last drink, you could think they could have at least get him Kool-Aid or Flavor-Aid, <laughs> which is what they actually used. Yeah. Glad they didn't make it with the, the Kool-Aid guy wasn't out around that time. Coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, this is the part where I noticed that the Thanatos logo, which is like on their tablecloth, is mm-hmm. a skull with a T over it, which is like, you know, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'll go with that. It's like it subtle yeah. enough. I like how this movie was clearly made on the cheap, but they still put branding on everything. <laughs> yeah. I like this organization. I thought this was, you know, better than uh, Quantum. It's very Spectre-esque. And I guess, yeah, 67. So yeah, this is before they revealed what Blofeld looks like and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, all right, you know, they found a model for a good or evil organization and they went with it. Next we go to some Highland Games. Why? It actually does come back. I feel obligated to point out that these are not Highland games. They're not drifting any heavy objects and putting them down. (laughs) It's just archery. Well, I I immediately thought Highland games because, well, some of them were in kilts. Place in Italy, why are they wearing kilts? But I guess if he's Scottish, then did you know Scottish men take a kilt everywhere they go whenever they travel, just in case they need one? That's what the movie's saying. Oh, I thought you were actually giving us a fan yeah, there. No, what? That's not true. <laughs> I don't know. I will say, though, I do appreciate that we got him in a kilt because we never got Connery in a kilt in his films. Not ever? Well, not in any of his Bond films. No. Well, his character is not Scottish, right? It is. Or he is. Yeah. Like he is? Uh-huh. Oh. 
James Bond is traditionally a Scot. That's why his home is in Scotland in Skyfall. Right. Too bad they went with Skyfall and not Lock Blackeragon. <laughs> I guess that wouldn't have fit on the movie post. Exactly. You're going to make us lose our Scottish listeners. Hey, if there are Scottish fans who kept watching after the Scottish got crapped on in Casino Royale 1967, then they can handle a little bit of good humor. That's fair. Because that is that was some terrible <laughs> Scottish jokes in that one, which we did not go along with, if I recall. We were like, no, this is terrible. At the archery competition, not Highland Games, thank you, Fair and Neil meet, and like they do some archery. It's the classic, oh, bad guy meets Bond in a social setting, and they do some competing. It's at the card table, or it's doing skeet shooting, which Adolfo Celli did with Sean Connery. You appear to be unbeatable, Mr. Bond. They need to do this with every movie. I want to see them play table tennis. I want to see them play darts. Hey, they've already played video games once. I was going to say the video oh. games. I love the video game scene. But they need to do more. I want to see them play Madden. I want to see them play Smash right, Brothers. So let's think about it. So they've done cards a lot. They've done mm -hmm. backgammon in, in Octopussy. They've done skeet shooting. They've done fencing. Yes. I like the fencing. I, I do like the you know, know hey, hey first half of Die Another Day is good. It's when you intro the invisible car that everything goes off the rails. I, I said yeah. before in a forum, you know, if Spider-Man Homecoming can use an invisible plane, why did Die Another Day get so much crap, you know, ten years before that? Because it's a comic book setting, I think, as opposed to a spy movie. Um, that's another story for another day. <laughs> also, Wonder Woman kind of primed the pump for an invisible plane. This is true. This is true. Yeah. So we kind of got used to the idea. <laughs> It's what it's that classic chat, you know. The I know you're a bad guy, and you know I'm a good guy, but we're still going to make conversation. Mm -hmm. And you look so much like your brother, zero zero, yeah, <laughs> something. <laughs> so as they're chatting, they even mention the fight at the presentation. They talk about the disappearance of Mister Chuko. He's like, "Oh, I don't know where she is." Mildred from the art auction scene is ordered to flirt with Neil to distract. There's a point where Neil was like. I can't do something because I'm too busy. And then later, he says to Maya, like, so you're doing anything mm -hmm. later? I'm available. So I'm like, oh, okay. So he's a flirt <laughs> and he's a liar. I like it. He just doesn't want to be a spy. To uh, paraphrase, you know, an old Kentucky doctor, I'm a doctor, not a secret agent. Who among us has not said that we were too busy to get out of something we didn't want to do? <laughs> Pardon right? the yeah. pun. Is this so, the part where Mildred has Princess Leia hair, or is that? Oh yes, Mildred. Mildred's the, the brunette, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I thought she was kind of like a Domino version in this movie. I can see that. Yeah, Domino from Thunderball. And I, I thought she was actually going to be like the main girl. Yeah, that's the way I, I was thinking. I was thinking. Also, the way she keeps falling over things. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. So Mildred sees Maya, points her in, in Neil's direction. Before they meet, we get Cunningham telling Neil that they have traced uh, Miss Yuchuko's location to Malaga, which is in Spain. And yeah, Neil's here. Here is when here's when he's like, you know, I'm not going to go to Spain. I won't mm -hmm. play your spy game. But. Cunningham tells him that he has a note from the Ministry of Health and that puts him under Cunningham's orders, direct orders for a month. And they need Can to get on a plane that? to Spain. <laughs> Can the Ministry of Health do that? No. <laughs> no. But we're going with it for this movie. He's like his indentured servant. And like, I own you now, Connery. <laughs> All right. So this is where we meet Mildred. Well, where Neil meets Mildred. She's like kneeling on mm -hmm. the ground. And Cunningham approaches and tells him basically to keep moving. It's like, oh, you're just like yeah. your brother. And so this is when we get Neil and Miss Maxwell arriving in Malaga. 
and there's like all these young hippie types playing music at the airport, and they're looking for their contact Juan, was apparently getting married that day, and only got the telegram that they're arriving like in the morning, and left his own wedding with all the guests and everyone like waiting. <laughs> I did not care for this guy. So unnecessary. All right, I'll give you that. I mean, he was amusing, but like I, I liked that he, you know, showed up in full like morning dress. Yeah, I was wondering if you like, like that. from his own wedding. He's kind yeah. of like a Tanner, I'm, I would say. That's kind of or, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Robinson. What? Who are they? They are the side characters who work for the office. Like, and then they kind of become field agents, and they're part field agent too. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. kind of like Bond, but they'll never be. They're not like a specific double O. Miss Maxwell is talking to Juan. Neil spots Mildred. Again, bent over looking for something. She lost her necklace this time. He's not suspicious at all that, all right, I just left you in Monte Carlo, and now you're here in Spain too? I don't think he does anything to, like, give her information. He's not suspicious at all? He's like, what are you, he doesn't even ask, what are you doing here? He just sees her again. He's like, oh, nice to see you again. I must kind of say he is. I mean, then he's like, are you ever not on all fours? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. He does need to do his Jedi mind trick on this girl, too. You're right. You're right. He does do that later. I think he would kind of had an idea. Let's chalk that up to Neil Connery's lack of acting experience, that he's not able to portray that he's maybe suspicious, but not outwardly going to show it. Yeah, that works. So they go off to a matador ring, and they find in like one of the closets a body that resembles Miss Yashuko's with a knife in it. Oh, However, no. Neil recognizes that it isn't her and knows her well since he operated on her and that this is a double. Mm -hmm. And so they realize, all right, if they're trying to plant these fake bodies, they must know that we're on their tail. So Neil goes into what seems like his room, his hotel room. We're not really sure where this is. I suppose. And he sees Mildred on her knees yet again. She's Uh lost her lighter. Mm -hmm. And then he hypnotizes her. And I was going to get really worried here. With his phrasing of, like, you'll do exactly what I want. And I was like, oh, no, please don't be that kind of movie. Yeah, I have it written down. He says, whatever I want, you must obey me. Alert. Uh, Yeah, I was like, but thankfully, he only uses to interrogate her to find out information about Thanatos. And we find out that she was sent by Thanatos. She -hmm. does know where Miss Yachuko is. And he kisses her to bring her out of the hypnosis. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Miss Maxwell comes in with Juan and again, the comment of, oh, it seems like no one in your family can, you know, leave a pretty face alone. It's like, okay, we get it. Thank you. We figured it out. And here's where we get Miss Yashuko, the real Miss Yashuko, being tortured with like colored lights, which reminded me of like everything. Well, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which hadn't even come out yet, where like the mind control with all the lights with all the girls. I thought you were going to say the Avengers. Were they mind control Uma Thurman? I mean, now with oh, lights. Oh, right. But they still oh, do it. Yeah. It kind of looked like it was going to be like a gold finger laser at first when they were uh, looking yeah. in that room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's... There's also a part where guys wear berets, which I thought was fun. <laughs> this is in uh, Lottie's uh, headquarters, and she's like, commands him to stop the torture and starts to talk to Mr. Shuko. And again, Mr. Shuko's like, insistent that I don't know anything, and they still keep torturing her. Yeah, so in other words, the interrogator, she doesn't reveal anything. And outside on the fence line, there's the guards in, like, yeah, red shirts and berets. Miss mm-hmm. Maxwell and Neil are disguised as farmers. Neil has a bow and arrow, and he says he's going to short-circuit the fence with his arrow and the wire. This is like some Doctor Who stuff right here. <laughs> but this is, like, the best part of the movie. Is this awesome, I say awesome, relatively awesome, minion fight 
clash at the plaza or whatever. This is where we would get Miss Maxwell with a machine gun. Yeah, that's why <laughs> it's great. And then by some branches the whole time too. I don't know why she just the action sequences were actually pretty good. I yeah, say. equivalent to your you know storming of Fort Knox at the end of Goldfinger or your commando raid on well maybe not to the quite to the scale of the you only live twice volcano raid but something like a smaller scale version of that. Yeah, I mean even like this action sequence when they blow up the building, um, the car into the plane. I mean those were actual like action Ex- sequences yeah. they weren't just like, little miniatures or anything so mm-hmm. yeah I, I was you know i respect that i also like hear how the good guys are using flamethrowers <laughs> there's no reason for them to be using flamethrowers why not the pacific <laughs> <laughs> because the, the bad guys are standing in the middle of an open field yeah but it's it's funny they probably had some and they're like let's just use it for the movie probably they, they also That's use probably. grenades it's a whole big battle which i liked <laughs> So Juan gets Lottie at gunpoint, and she has Misty Shuko at, uh, you know, at knife point. We see the knife, and like they zoom in on the knife. It's like, oh no! Mm-hmm. And Neo pushes Juan out of the way before Lottie fires the knife off, and it instead goes into a wall. And I definitely thought that they were going to kill Juan here because it's like, oh, the guy about to get married, about to you know, retire and have a family, that sort of thing. But thankfully, they don't do that. Maybe you think, thankfully. I would have been happy to see him go. You need to raise the stakes of this movie. Actually, that just is about to happen. Because Yoshiko, this is where she dies for real. Yeah, you know, we're pretty much there. Neo gets Yoshiko out of there. They kill Lottie, right? Yeah, the the old lady dies. That's my note. Yeah. And then I have M dies. That's not right. (laughs) Is it Mildred? I don't know what that could be referring to. Yes. Oh, it's Mildred. Yes, yes. So um, Neo gets Yoshiko out on the coast. And like hypnotizes her, get the information out of her. Find out here that Thanatos. Well, this is yeah, this is information we already knew. That Thanatos had tasked Gamma to steal an atomic nucleus. And okay. then we get some other stuff that doesn't make sense quite. Code twenty-two bar six, Tetuan. Mildred is watching from the trees. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So they rescue the hostage with the critical information, and they just drive to like some random spot that's not at all secure. So an enemy assassin can literally walk right up to them and kill them. And they drove to a random spot. I think this is he's just like pulled her away from the action. This is the same area. Well, they, they could have at least looked over their shoulders while they were talking to her. Yeah, that's fair. Well, hey, he's a doctor, not a secret agent. He doesn't know these things. <laughs> I know it's funny. We're secret agents, though. <laughs> true, that's true. But then again, it's only her, him here. That Juan's not nearby or anything. Yeah, I just felt a little bit like a rocks fall, everybody dies plot. It's like, oh, we need Yoshiko to die. Let's have an assassin jump out of the bushes and kill her. <laughs> but before she dies, we find out two other things. She says, the blind worked in Tetuan, the blind died in Tetuan. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after she says that, Mildred kills Yoshiko and gets Neil at gunpoint. And we hear gunshots. But we find that it's not Mildred who fired the gun, but in fact, Juan, who's behind her and killed her from afar. Live by jumping out of a bush, die by jumping out of a bush. I guess, <laughs> Next, we go to a scene which I thought was going to be completely ridiculous, and but it made me laugh out loud at what happens. So, the uh, atomic nucleus is being transported by Jeep. One and Jeep. They, <laughs> it's one Jeep. And there's these girls in the, all these red dresses, like look like almost like can-can dancers. Mm-hmm. And the soldiers, you know, really don't put much of a struggle up. They're like, oh, yeah, they're pretty girls. Let's go talk to you on the side of the road. And we see that Maya is one of the girls. She, she's like fires a dart from a feather in her garter, which knocks out one of the guards. And all the other girls take feathers out of their hats, their big fancy hats, 
and fire, you know, darts from them. So obviously this is very in like Flint. It's very Casino Royale. Armies of Killer Babes is a total 60s thing. I'm surprised they didn't use mind control hair dryers, but maybe they're not supportable. <laughs> yes, but here's where it gets ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, Maya tells them, all right, go get changed. And they change into what looked to be like skunk outfits, but I think they were supposed to be cat outfits. That's right. And they bring out this giant like roulette board. They put it against a Jeep and they start doing all this other stuff to the Jeep. And they transform it into like a billboard float, the Wild Pussy Club. And they're all like riding on this float. It's like, it makes sense why they're wearing the costumes at least. But it's like, and if you're going to disguise a Jeep holding nuclear materials, yeah, this is the most unlikely thing. <laughs> Except that it's the classic thing of they draw so much attention to themselves. It's so yeah. memorable. Fair enough. I was so confused by what they were doing. It was like, oh my God, it actually makes kind of sense. See, I know what I just said might sound like a complaint, but it really isn't. Because okay. this is 60s. It's so charming. <laughs> How can you dislike it? I was, yeah, I, I laughed so much when I saw what they were doing. Because they could have picked something else to, you know, or just could have picked a different vehicle, you know. What other vehicle in this time period makes sense with all this woman? Other than I don't know, they didn't need to have a bus women. full of women. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's who they sent. That's Thanatos. I don't know. Apparently, yeah. wow, is it like a commentary on gender? Because all the foot soldiers are women, and all the higher ups are men. I ask you, <laughs> thoughts? Probably not, but let's go with it. Also, it occurs to me they could have driven the jeep into a truck, like in The Long Kiss Goodnight and many other movies. Or like in Knight Rider, they could have drove it into semi. Yeah, <laughs> that'd have been cool. We go to the Thanatos boardroom meeting. They say that Beta has secured the atomic nuclear. Here's where we find out the plan, and it's mm. bonkers. I don't remember it. They're going to generate ultra high frequencies to s transmit a magnetic wave across the third of the globe. Oh and yeah, all I metals will be affected and magnetized. And it'll paralyze one-fifth of the world. And they're going to use it to hold the world for ransom. As usual, right. <laughs> Back in Cunningham's office, somehow they also know about the magnetic wave. They don't really reveal how they know. Maybe Mildred told them while she was under. No? I don't know. I guess maybe they figured it out from like the code phrase of the other things that... Uh, What's her name? Miss Shiku said, code 22 bar 6. We never get an explanation for that. I don't know. Deleted scene. Maybe they searched the house and found CDs like in Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> Jackpot. I thought that, uh, not him, but um, the Commander, I thought that he was the one who figured out what that meant. When I no, watched it, about it doesn't it. remember. Yeah, anyways. They have another lead on Tetuan, which is that there is a rug factory in Tetuan that employs only blind people. Oh my it's, goodness, such a hard riddle to figure out. <laughs> we're not pulling, you know, ridiculous um, jumps in logic like Batman 66 here. There's another movie we saw where they did that. Was it Probably Get Smart? You, I think uh, it was Get Smart. Oh, no, it was the Avengers. Oh, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. The, the the stilt factory. <laughs> mm. So he goes, walks around the street, and he finds, you know, these two men who are trying to kidnap him. He's about to subdue one of them when Maya shoots the guy, and they escape down an alley. It's all very Indiana Jones, like that scene in Cairo. Yeah, Raiders. That's what I have in my yeah, note as I, well. Yeah. They bring back his lip reading like skills because she's like, how did you know they were going to attack you? I was like, if you remember, I'm an accomplished lip reader. And apparently they were saying, hey, there's Neil Connery. Let's attack him. <laughs> <now." laughs> 
So Maya drives away in her convertible, and she tells the fair that Neil will be at the reception and that she have foiled the assassination attempt. So it seems like those assassins were sent by Alpha. Mm. It's like you didn't trust Beta to do the job correctly, which is probably Seemingly. the right decision. Yeah, it's like another subplot because Beta um, is trying to you know, take down Alpha without. Yep, and like Fair tells his assistant to tell Alpha that the attack assassination attempt succeeded. Mm-hmm. You know what this is also like is like Shadow Mordor again, where you play the, <laughs> the less bad guy off against the big bad guy. I'm not seeing Shadow <laughs> Mordor ripped off this movie, but it is kind of close. Anyway, so we get to the reception. Maya's walking around, and Fair is in this ridiculous, like, really shiny gold robe outfit. It looks great. It looks like Ozymandias. <laughs> Whereas Neil is looking very much like his brother in a very, like, 60s, uh, you know, slim lapel, uh, shawl mm-hmm. called tuxedo with a very slim bow tie and then this is where they say you want to play some shabin defer I I, ah, right? you did you caught it ah i was wondering if you'd catch it it's in other james bond movies though right yes i'm not going to list all of them but yes it a is. Lot. yeah Thayer says you know i need your your services as a plastic surgeon one of my friends needs to look like someone else anyway so he's like what about witnesses we can't have any witnesses so, well we'll get all the girls on the yacht and kill them all including Maya. Yes, it has to be done. And so Fair goes to meet with all the other Thanatos members other than Alpha. Wants to know, you know, are you with me or with Alpha? We don't really hear what their answer is. Right. And we go to Maya and Neo dancing and Maya doesn't believe Neo. Like, says that when he says that Thayer's going to kill all of you and she says, you've read too many novels by Fleming. <laughs> he works quote. for a secret society. What's up, Brian? <laughs> that was my favorite quote, honestly. Oh, okay. <laughs> She says, you know, I'll keep everything under control. And so Neil takes this opportunity to ask, why does Thayer only hire blind people in his factory? And she's like, I actually don't know. And she leaves him. We go to his factory. And at the factory, blind people are being led in. Neil poses as a blind man. I think he has some extra facial hair as well and maybe some makeup on. Yeah, then Neil Connery is a real master of disguise. (laughs) Do we ever get an answer to that question about why he uses blind guys, by the way? Not directly. Is it so we can't see all of his secret activities? Pretty much, yeah. I assume so. And you know, they get instructions on how they're going to be weaving rugs. And mm. Neo goes off on his own and finds a sign that says radiation area. And it's like all red lit. But there's still blind people weaving down there. Yeah, it's because they can't see the sign. The classic mistake. So Neo talks to one of them and like tells them that they're working with radioactive materials. So are they weaving... Radioactive I don't, under- rugs? I don't understand any of this. It's all right. This is part where it loses me. He like tells them, and he like they spread the message to start this whole uprising. No, 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 no. Hang on, well, I want to tell us. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. He's like, you're working with radioactives; it'll kill you. And one of them says, "What do you mean by kill me?" It's like, what do you think he means by kill you? Are <laughs> you like an idiot? So they're like, "Oh, you mean it's going to kill us?" Everybody panic, and then there's everyone starts like running around screaming. I thought it was unintentionally funny. Maybe it was supposed to be funny. I don't it know. It was. It was funny. Yeah, recognized by Thanatos, he was like. You're very clever, Dr. Connery. Apparently he can yeah, also speak Arabic well. as well as Hindi. Do you think it was real Arabic? It seemed to kind of fake so. to me. It seemed no. like kind of like something out of Team America World Police. Oh. <laughs> Not that bad. And so Thayer has him. We don't find out till later this is on the yacht, but I'm just going to say that start here that's on the yacht. He right. starts monologuing, forces uh, Neo to operate on someone. 
And above decks on the yacht, Maya is there, and she starts to tell all the other girls that Thayer's going to try to kill him. Here, follow my lead. Maya also litters at this part. Throws a, c- a cigarette into the ocean. She's evil. <laughs> <laughs> Only the charm I mean, of Neil yes. Connery can bring her back to the light side. <laughs> Just like his brother. Mm-hmm. So Neil is going to have to change someone into Alpha. I, I like that plot. You know, precursor to the whole plastic surgery double thing in Diamonds Are Forever. And Face Off. Though it oh, seems yeah. like an unnecessary complicated step. Why not just depose Alpha? Like, yeah, I'm sure that's hard, but it's going to be hard either way. Mm, yeah, they have their own Alpha be- to, you know, do whatever they say. Do whatever that's true. Beta says. But, but I'm saying, why not have Beta become the Alpha and skip the middleman? <laughs> Maybe people didn't like Beta, so he just was trying to, you know. Maybe. That's why he's Beta. He's made too many enemies. Eh, that could yeah. kind of work. He starts the hypnosis process. As he's doing that on, up, up above decks, the girls start taking out the henchmen. They start. Judo for, chop. They, yeah, lots yeah. of judo chops and like using oars and other and buckets to knock them overboard. Their sexuality. They were seducing oh, them. Yes. <laughs> There's also what I call comedy violence. Oh, yeah, that's the like buckets on heads funny. and yeah. all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> I also have the, a zombie attack. What? Why is that in my notes? I don't oh, remember I think I know why. Attack. Neil hypnotizes oh. the patient into attacking Thayer. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like something out 28 days later. <laughs> and, he like, jumps he jumps, yeah, jumps through that glass. Neil, you know, is taking out the henchman while the patient is attacking Thayer. This gets cross-cut with more of the yacht fight. Fight, and... fight, fight, yeah. Neil and Thayer and the patient get above decks. In my notes, they have, they were on the boat the whole time? They were on the boat? Yes, they were. So they go to the underground cave later. Yeah. This is all on the boat. That's why (laughs) I said, yeah. Very long, long movie, you know, for an hour and 44 minutes. Then the patient gets killed by the machine guns that are installed in the ceiling. That was cool. That was really cool. I was not expecting that. Yeah, that was the good part. And then Thayer escapes in this, like, speedboat dinghy. Mm-hmm. Maya sees him going off, tells Neil, and is like, we need to find him. The next bit is Beta being in the position that he said he would never be in the position before. Oh, so yeah, it, that's right. Because, like, yeah. Set up and callback. Yeah, you didn't mention in the plot recap. But yes, he is in the position where he has to drink the poison water. It's like, oh, what are you going to do now? Apparently die, and then not die. (laughs) So it looks like he dies. And then Thayer's right-hand man presses a button on the desk, which launches a knife. And they do the same zoom in on the knife, but it's a knife that's being held by a statue. Mm -hmm. And it launches right into Alpha's chest and kills him. So it turns out all of this elaborate planning to replace Alpha with a double was not only unnecessary, but also all of the political maneuvering and stuff wasn't necessary either because all you need to do is install a little knife shooter <laughs> launcher in your table and you're good to go unless it's like prepping the waters can you imagine sure. if like ceo boardrooms were like decided by like who can kill each other <laughs> i mean it would be a klingon boardroom basically or a mirror universe boardroom i want to imagine a klingon boardroom that's it's a really funny <laughs> idea so yeah so we find out the fair wasn't poison he took him a rockin drug which hardens the body against poison so basically he pulled a dread pirate roberts with iocane powder yeah, that keeps coming up. <laughs> so Neil arrives in Munich. He is greeted by Juan, who's there. Apparently, he just goes anywhere that he needs to be, even though I think he was supposed to be on his honeymoon at this point. It's his job to be one step ahead of the rest of the team, I suppose. Yeah. And he's brought an army with him, which is guys yeah. with bows. 
Well, they are all Neil's friends from the archery competition. Really good oh, friends. Yeah, right. So I didn't realize those were his friends. I thought they were just like agents. I thought they were agents too. <laughs> no. Well, so we know that they're not agents because Neo talks to them and they're all like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? He's like, oh, just uh, wait for my message at this place. You may have to lay down your lives for a guy you right? met a few days ago. <laughs> well, no. Well, we know that uh, Neil is an accomplished archer because he like, they mentioned that, you know, there's this whole thing that we skipped over about like him like being tired of having so many trophies and all that sort of stuff. Right. So he's known in the archery community. Maybe he mind controlled them with his hypnotizing power. <laughs> oh, it's like a subversive fan theory where he's actually a bad guy. Oh. <laughs> we found out that they tracked the rugs to well to here, and that they've tracked them on like this highway which goes all the way to Istanbul, and they've got a helicopter again, probably the same helicopter. Probably, which has a Geiger counter installed, and if they can, if they just follow the highway, figure out where the the base is. We go to Fair in his underground lair with science fiction kind of flash yes, forward with and like red leather jumpsuits, and everyone's in them. Caverns from um, Goldeneye sixty four, or um, <laughs> in Live and Let Die near the end, they kind of had some. Caverns. Oh yeah, yeah. So you remind me of that. There's got to be more. But I mean, it, lo- it looks like. The underground base from uh, You Only Live Twice. They're starting to launch the magnetic wave, and they mm. see Neo's copter. And and Fair says something like, "If he gets here before the magnetic wave crashes him, I want to talk to him." What? It's like, what do you have to have to say to him? I guess gloating. Villains love gloating. So yeah. also in this part, I have the note: terrible ADR. Now knowing that everything's been dubbed over, it makes sense. But yeah. this part was particularly bad. Yeah. As they say, really ridiculous dialogue, like directional relevator and <laughs> alternate vibrators inserted. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> Back in the chopper, they're using the Geiger founder to, counter to find the base. They've figured out it's the castle. Thayer starts the countdown, sees that on the monitors that Neil has discovered the secret entrance and that he's going through the tunnel. So they send some guards after him. Mm-hmm. But they're easily dispatched. Neo sends Maya to go call London, and this mm-hmm. is <laughs> you like this part. I like I it too. I was I laughed. So there's a guard watching the copter. Uh, Maya takes her belt, straightens it out, turns it into a spear, and then throws it and kills the guard. But you never seen that in a real James Bond movie, <laughs> am I right? Mm-mm. She was uh, di- you know, didn't come up with. That you know one. what this reminded me of, though. Batman Brave and the Bold. Well, the belt does all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, but like there's specifically in Batman Brave and the Bold, he has a like a sword that he keeps in the belt, which like he mm. pulls out of the belt like uh, lengthwise, and then it hardens, and it becomes a sword. Oh, it's like from Pacific Rim, the, the sure. sword that the robot uses. Yeah, but I, I also like later when Maya makes it back to town. And she says, excuse me, sir, do you have a phone I can use to call London? And he says, London in England? No, I meant London in yeah. California. But also, it's like she could have been a little bit more specific about where in London. So. Right. So after she, she leaves, Neo does get captured by like more guards. Right. And we get a continued countdown. And so we do get the one guy. There's always that guy in the secret base whose whole job is to do the countdown. But this but guy there, did not have as good a voice as most of the guys. As the Emily Flint guy. But or, the, yeah, or Dr. Yeah. No. Yeah. And the wave goes off, right? Yeah. When she was trying to call England, um, I think it stopped. 
Yeah. Well, she yeah. gets through to Cunningham and does say that they are in Munich and we're all along the road. And she's trying to give exact coordinates. And that's when she gets cut off. And Cunningham realizes the wave must have been activated. You see all these people outside of the helipad where Maya was, mm-hmm. like trying with their cars and everything. But Maya spots a horse and a sled nearby and just steals and goes. It turns into a Christmas movie, right? <laughs> Thanatos showing Neil their anti-magnetic equipment. Mm-hmm. And we go to Maya and Juan with all the archers. They're all on horseback heading to the castle. Juan realizes his gun is useless. Yeah, that was like, kind of neat. I kind of like that. I also like that they were using horses. Yeah, it makes sense. Dead. The cavalry's coming. Run <laughs> right. storm in the castle. <laughs> this is where Neil hypnotizes one of the guards to attack the other guard and then takes both of them out. Yeah, it's such a useful ability. James Bond should be at a bunch of times, and I hope his enemies never find out about that. And so the archers storm the castle. Neil gets a bow and is also given an anti-magnetic explosive, which he puts into the control room. And like Thayer gets him there at arrow point, I guess. And like they have this fight, which actually looks pretty good. Yeah, you can tell in some of the wide shots that the guy who is playing. Fair is that de- it's definitely not Adolfo Celli because the wig is pretty bad. But other than mm-hmm. that, the fight looks good, and mm-hmm. he knocks him out and gets away. But then they get each other in like a Mexican standoff with bows and arrows. Yeah, speaking of bows and arrows, it's guys using bows and arrows versus guys with harpoon guns. Oh, yeah. So I was like, why are they using harpoon guns? Because I understand real guns have been disabled by the wave. Harpoon guns are also mechanical, but they're anti-magnetic harpoon guns. I don't know. This is weird to me. Okay, if they have the tech to run all that with their anti-magnetic technology, I assume they can make a harpoon gun work. Make it out of plastic. It's a plastic <laughs> prison. But this also reminded me of Day of the Dove classic Star Trek episode, where all their phasers turn into swords. They have to fight with swords. <laughs> that would have been better. I, do we agree? Swords. Do you guys agree with me? Oh, yeah. If this big fight scene at the end, they all have swords. I would like swords, but I like the bows and arrows, though. Okay. Bow and arrows were original, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they ha- get into their Mexican standoff. They knock their arrows and release, pan down a little to see that Neil's been shot in the arm and fair, and we have his face. But then we pan down, and he's shot right in the heart. It's gruesome. But I also like when Neil gets shot in the arm, he goes like, ow, right? <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. He's like, eh, as he like walks out with it. This is funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's more fighting. There's so much fun. This is like... Yeah, there's a lot of fighting. This is like Thunderball if it wasn't underwater. Yeah, this is so. basically the end of my notes. They just keep fighting for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Pretty much. And then very similar to the movie that came out the same year, You Only Live Twice, they say, we need to get out here before the tower explodes. Mm. And this explosion is excessive. <laughs> just like it the movie just itself. It keeps going. It was definitely some model work, but it was good model work that you had exploding. They're outside of the tower. Juan finds that his gun is working again. He's like, starts firing it off. Yeah, that was funny. It ends with them on the yacht, right? Yeah. With, with the crew half naked again. Well, Things are back the way they should be. <laughs> Interesting that's phrasing what the, there. That's what the movie's saying. I'm not saying that. Why do you guys keep looking at me like that? <laughs> the way you say it makes is just a... <laughs> sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, Commander Cunningham is on the yacht with Neil and Maya tells Neo that he's like, oh, I want you as a reserve at the rank of major. And then Neo hypnotizes him and to, like, forget that he ever wants him to be a secret agent. Ha ha, hilarious. Sends him off the yacht and 
all the uh, the girls come out in their sexy sailor outfits. Right. And the movie ends. Things are back to the way they should be. The <laughs> That's right. Well, okay, so a couple uh, observations here. So all right, all right. At this point, I was like, wait a minute. When did Maya switch sides? <laughs> she switched sides when Thayer tried to kill her and the rest of the girls. I, like, never even kind of noticed that. Really? I, I noticed that. When she's with him, when they go to Munich and all that, yeah, that would make sense. Well, well no, it's like I realized that she switched sides, but I couldn't remember when it happened. Oh, yeah. It's reminded me of in like Flint, obviously, All this right. is him with his women who follow him around. Yeah. But then also, remember how at the end of in like Flint, we were like, it's weird that him and Lisa didn't get together because they're the yeah. two leads. Mm-hmm. Then they were kind of implying here that that Neil and Maya were like into each other. Right. When did that happen? Um, the uh, many times that they flirted with each other. OK, yeah, whatever. All <laughs> right. Let's keep this episode moving here. <laughs> Should we go into spy fact versus spy fiction? Uh, please do. I don't have any. All right. So I will say that hypnosurgery is an actual thing. Okay. During surgery, the patient is sedated using hypnosis rather than traditional anesthetics. It's been claimed that it's been around since the 1840s, mm-hmm. uh, but there's differing uh, cases of how successful it is. There's actually an episode of Scrubs where Dr. Turk, well, a patient talks to Dr. Turk and says, you know, I want to use hypnosis to have this invasive surgery. And it mm-hmm. almost works the entire way. I know it's common for, well, not a common, but it is a practice that can be used during pregnancy in addition to other pain medicines. That might be useful for people who can't take drugs or who have religious beliefs that stop them from taking drugs. If it works, I don't think the science on whether hypnosis is real is actually. I mean, it's not exactly (laughs) how it's shown. It's much more, you have to be cooperative with it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to snap my fingers and then all of a sudden I'll be asleep. Right atomic nucleus so i'm not sure if they just picked the, those words because they sounded technical but an atomic nucleus is at the center of every atom oh yeah it's the dense region consisting of protons and neutrons at the center of an atom so anything has an atomic nucleus what a twist it was the truck itself that was the atomic <laughs> nucleus it wasn't carrying one yeah as for a magnetic wave like that cannot be actually produced the closest thing I could find is an electromagnetic wave, which is just the EM waves mm-hmm. uh, and the, f- the fields that are caused by them. That's what I've got for spy fact versus spy fiction. Um, I think most of the behind the scenes stuff I was going to cover, we actually talked about throughout the movie. Okay. Actually, C- Connery was a- approached to do, when I say Connery, Sean Connery was approached to do a cameo in the film, which he completely brushed them off. This also actually got Sean Connery pissed off at Lois Maxwell for a long time. Well, whatever. Sean Connery's reputation, not to speak ill of the, of the dead, but Sean Connery does yeah, have a kind of reputation for, uh, I remember his cubby broccoli remark. And, <laughs> and, um, they tried to get Neil Connery to be a Bond also. I, oh, did they? I, did that. I didn't hear about that. It would be interesting to compare his performance here with another, you know, non-actor who got thrust into a Bond role. George yeah. Lazenby. And I will say that in comparison, people criticize Lazenby's performance, but in comparison to this, another non-actor get thrust into this role, uh, Lazenby is loads better, but but Neil Connery wasn't bad. If he'd been given more work and done more acting, I think he could have been a very interesting act, like actor, like not as necessarily Bond, but as another character. I wouldn't have minded seeing him. I could have seen him playing the role of Bond in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Actually, I think he, I think he probably could have done good, especially 
know, considering how much he looks like. And I thought they were going to have him shave. They did mention that. Oh, well, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we, and he's like, no, it's phase mm-hmm. or something. But um, I don't think he was bad. But like I said, he he's just like one of those one note actors. Yeah, if he'd gotten more experience, he probably yeah. could have been better. As anyone who has seen the Star Wars prequels would agree, if the director is bad, there's not a whole lot of actors true. can do. This is also true. Who is this director, though? Alberto DiMartino. Mm-hmm. He... Also, a bad what script do? doesn't help. Yeah. Not that the script was bad, but James Bond movies have really good writing most of the time. Yeah, but I mean, okay, maybe I will say the cinematography was good, though. But you know what? Let's go into our favorite quotes before we get into our reviews. All right, guest Brian, would you like to go first? Mine was the one about the Fleming novel. You, you read too many novels by Fleming. Okay, it's pretty good. I like that. Just a little kind of Easter egg there, in a way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Zach, you want to go? Well, I'm going to say to just narrow down one the mm-hmm. beard is mine i'm attached to it now, i know we just talked about the beard i hated the beard it made him look like a magician which of course he is and he didn't look like a secret agent and uh, the fact that this quote made it sound like he was going to shave it later as brian just reminded us and then he never did and i hated it and it looked terrible thoughts as, as someone's sporting a similar facial hair configuration i liked the beard but did you do that on purpose just i did not this? no okay. this is basically all the facial hair that i can grow yeah neil had like the ones around the sides no it didn't connect i don't think i think uh, it did uh, let me look it up <laughs> i think it was a good teen not so much a beard but any of the facial hair i don't like when have we ever seen james bond with facial oh, hair? Yeah, right. it does go up to the oh, side james bond with facial hair except for five o'clock um, shadow that doesn't let's count see. we get beardy die another day and uh guy fall pierce brosden Okay. Yeah, we get Skyfall with beardy Daniel Craig. Um, I don't think we ever see... Roger we get fake mustache on uh, Roger Moore. Yeah. All right. So, anyway, I think I made a point about the beard. Other quotes I liked. He says, I'm very kind by nature right. and humble, too. And then later, the bad guy <laughs> says, we all have our points of view, but it's my point of view that counts. Which is also how I feel <laughs> about our ratings of these movies. <laughs> all right. So, I also had the beard one. I like the explanation. It's clear Ward used Yuchuko as a human electronic brain, a sort of impregnable safe to keep secrets in. Just like we said. <laughs> I like, I'm a surgeon, not a secret agent. Which, this predates Trek, does No, this is a year after Trek came out, 1966. Yeah. So it was that catchphrase was already in the ether. Uh, I also have water. You could have at least offered me champagne. I'll, I, I really like this. We didn't really talk about it, but when Neil is supposed to be operating on the guy. There's like a machine hooked or like a sensor hooked up to the guy's heart. And Beta says, from where I am, I can hear his heart beating. If it stops, so will yours. Yeah, because plastic surgery is very dangerous and people often die on the operating (laughs) table when they get their face. Well, I think it's more of like if you try to kill him Mm -hmm. instead of actually doing your job, I'll kill you. If you try to do any funny business. But yeah. All right. So. Should we go into our ratings? Yes, as always, our ratings are on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being a terrible spy movie, of which we've seen a couple by now, and 10 being the greatest spy movie you've ever seen. How would we rate Operation Kid Brother slash all the other titles that you mentioned? <laughs> all right, as our guest, do you want to go first, Brian? Um, You know, I, I didn't hate it. As a Bond fan, I enjoyed the Easter eggs. You know, just seeing all the stars, I guess, that were from previous Bond movies. But I would watch it again, though. <laughs> you know, unless it happened, unless I was bored and wanted to watch something. I guess I'll give it a four out of ten. You know, that's... four out of ten. All right. So I will also give it a four out of ten. It was not by any stretch of the imagination a good 
in finger quotes movie, but it wasn't boring. It was entertaining. It had some great set pieces. I liked seeing Lois and Bernard. So I can't hate it too much. Slightly below average seems reasonable to me. Interesting. I'm going to go higher, but only a little higher. I'm going to give it a five. I was a middle of, it's an average film. Like, you know, the fight scenes were good. It looked good. Like there are movies out there just do not look good. Mm-hmm. But this actually looked good. Like Brian, I liked seeing all these actors again. Well, and I guess you, you said that too, Zach. Yeah. I've seen all the Connery Bonds at multiple, many, many, many times. So seeing something new with these act, a lot of these actors was fun. I didn't hate it. And strictly middle of the road, five out of 10. I don't know if I would see it again, but I would rewatch the MS3TK version of it. Yeah, I would definitely mention it to people and talk to people about it and say, if you like James Bond, I think it's worth your time. You know, if we talked about was uh, the score. I mean, I know oh, yeah. you did in the very beginning. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of movie scores. So, you know, it can be a bad movie, but have a great score. I think mm-hmm. this actually was a great score. Spy, you know, I liked, you know, all the music for it. So um, yeah, I, definitely. I don't remember who the artist was for it. And I think. And Neo Morricone. Okay. I don't know if they've ever officially released it, but it's something I'd probably download. You know, Good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, And that guy probably could have been a composer for a Bond movie, you know, if they. Yeah, if they. If but, anything ever happened to, uh, what's his name, John Barry. We just give him a chance. Brian, if you do want to buy the CD, it is on sale on Amazon for $91. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I'm sure you could find it elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I'll listen to it on YouTube. It's there you go, yeah. Okay, thank you for listening. Brian, thank you for guest starring. Is there anything you would like to plug before we sign off? Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me back on here. Uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, The Night Cave, um, at The Night Cave on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook, The Night Cave. Trying to, you know, get the, my, my, my things together and trying to hopefully, you know, put the show back on or start recording again. So uh, stay tuned for that. It, I'm trying to make something happen. If you're looking for guest stars, you know where to find some. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you all to our audience for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.